You're listening to Startup Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories of startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using Acquire.com, the world's number one startup acquisition marketplace. To date, Acquire.com has helped thousands of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gostecki. All right, I'm here with David, the founder of Barkley HQ. He recently got acquired for high six figures. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing good. So to kick things off for people that may not know you, do you want to do a brief introduction of yourself? For sure. Yeah, I like the introduction you gave there. I am the former uh, president and founder of a company called Barkley HQ. Um, and that was a SaaS business that I have been working on for probably about the last four and a half years, um, which was recently acquired in May 2023. Um, prior to that, I've always been working at other SaaS businesses, some large, some small, um, all different sorts of roles, uh, the marketing side, sales side, um, client services side. But I've always had kind of the knack to uh, be an entrepreneur and run my own business. Um, going back as far as I can remember, I was always doing entrepreneurial math. Um, I remember, you know, just turning a teenager, my friends were getting jobs at the grocery store, and then I would see how much they would make weekly. And I would say, wait, if I can cut a few lawns, I would make more money in less hours. So I would do that. And that's exactly what I did. I had my first uh, small landscaping business. Um, and then through high school and college, I fell in love with technology, which kind of drove me towards um, the SaaS world. And that's how things kind of got started. Nice. So you've been an entrepreneur your whole life, it sounds like. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I worked for other businesses for about, uh, I would say 10 to 15 years before having my own business. And then, yeah. Entrepreneurial spirit. I love it. So tell me about um, how you built um Barclays, what was the the idea behind it? Why? What made you decide to build this company? For sure, yeah. So I always sat, and I remember I used to sit in a four by four cubicle um, for one of the SaaS businesses that I used to work for, and I always just kind of thought of ideas and drafted ideas of my own app or SaaS business. Um, and I was always kind of trying to find a niche market because I really liked um, the messaging of going uh, deep, not wide that sort of thing. Um, the grooming industry kind of fell onto me by accident. Um, I adopted a dog and then I started bringing the dog to local groomers and I noticed that they were using pen and paper to um, operate their business. Um, so with my SaaS experience and my entrepreneurial spirit, I thought, wait, there must be a better way for them. Um, so four and a half years ago or five years ago at this point, I went online to see what tools were available for these pet groomers, if there's anything specific for that industry. Um, there was very minimal. Um, and what was out there, I didn't think had the features that they needed. Um, nor were they marketing it correctly. Uh, so I kind of jumped all in and uh, started Barkley HQ. I love, so some of my favorite businesses, before we started recording, I even told someone, I was like, I'm really excited for this one because I love point SaaS solutions specifically for, you know, an industry. I've, I've never, you know, come across a SaaS business specifically for dog grooming businesses. So mm -hmm. that's, I love that because it really hones in on, you know, the market that you're going after and it really makes the value prop really clear for customers. Cause if you're a dog groomer and it's specifically made for them, uh, you know, the chances of you building the best software for that specific customer is just so much higher. So now, now I'm wondering, how did you get your first customers? How did you get uh, dog groomers to, to adopt this, this software? Yeah. So actually, um, before I think I even started developing this software, I just created some 
uh, presentations. And I actually went to the local groomers and sat with them and told them what I was working on. Um, a few of them validated the idea. Uh, so then that's when I started putting the developers to work. I'm a non-tech founder. So I had to source the developers to actually build the product. Um, so once I had enough validation from these local groomers, I started building the product. Um, actually, funny story, one of my best customers, even to this date, was one of the early signups. They had multiple locations. I didn't know that. I actually just went in there. Um, dropped off a, like a little marketing package for the owner. Um, weeks later, they got back to me. We met at a pizza restaurant because I didn't have an office at the time. Um, and they gave me their input. They said, we love what you're working on because we're using all these different tools and it's just a mess with all of our customer data, et cetera. Um, so from that pizza restaurant, I literally signed up multiple locations and uh, got to work. So they were really early adopters in adding uh what features it should have, what direction we should go in terms of the functionality of the software. I love that. I'm not technical too, so hats off to you because I, I know how hard it can be, especially I love how you started with a design concept. That's always my first recommendation for non-technical founder and really just anybody. Design it first and then show it to people, if anything, yep. before building because you might be going in a completely wrong direction. So, okay, so you got the idea you started building the product you validated it you got some customers when was that moment where you feel like you really had product market fit did you have kind of a day or time where you thought whoa this is actually growing into you know significant business yeah so i would i would say when i went all in was after that meeting where the big business um, validated my idea um but even before that just the feedback that i was getting from the local groomers in toronto and north of toronto um i kind of knew that i was on to something here and they were kind of even like giving me their pain points with existing softwares they've tried what softwares they're using that they've kind of mutated to work for their business. Um, so I really built a close connection with all of my clients, especially early on. Um, so I kind of knew I was on to something. I would say once I passed the 25 paying customers, that's when I was like really confident that, you know, this thing was going to go full steam ahead. Nice. And what were the, just out of curiosity, I, I'm not a dog, not in the dog growing business, but what are the, the main pain points that um, your company solved? For sure. Yeah. So the big one was we replaced the big paper calendar by having a, a digital calendar. Um, so if you walk into a pet grooming business, chances are some of them are still on these big paper calendars, but that's hard for a groomer to manage their business because if someone calls or messages them on Facebook, they want an appointment time, the groomer has to go to that calendar. So if they lug it around with it, so it was really the digital calendar first, then it was a CRM tool. So you'll notice that these pet groomers who are running on pen and paper they had these paper cards and they would have file cabinets and they would go and look up the client's history. So just a big mess of uh, paper everywhere. So we were the CRM tool, but then I also even came up with the phrase uh, PRM. So CRM obviously stands for customer relationship manager, but because groomers clients are pets, I called it a pet relationship manager. So attract the clients and the pets details like breed, um, um, behavior of the pet, size of the pet, all sorts of things. I love that. That's that's clever marketing. I'd say the pinnacle of marketing is when you can either have a company name that's a verb or you make up some acronym that is adopted within the industry. I like that PRM, Pet yeah. Relationship Management. Yeah, I had it on the website, uh, social media. I was using that term and uh, the groomers loved it because groomers actually remember their clients by their pet name. They know more about the pet than the actual client's first name. So it was kind of a fit for what we were doing. Interesting. So the customers would actually know the pet, would they enter the pet name in the 
we'll go, I'll go with this, the PRM. Yeah, so it could go either way. So if they ent- they could enter the phone number that they see that called, they could enter the client's name, they can enter the pet name, and then that record would appear and then they can book it in the calendar. I love it. Let's move on um, to the acquisition. Um, so why did, um, uh, you, like, when did you have the moment where you decided to sell the business? What What was that like? Was it something you always had on your mind? Was it a day you thought, hey, I'd like to cash my chips. What was the thought process behind that? Yeah, a little bit of both of those. I kind of started the business with always wanting the end goal to be getting acquired. Um, I just thought that'd be super cool to have on the resume and to go through that process. Um, Did I think it was going to happen in four and a half years? No, probably not. Uh, Once I got to the company to a point where I was like, okay, I can make uh, pretty good money if I let go of it now. Uh, That's kind of why I decided to sell. It was also at the point where I was kind of, um, I think I burnt the, ca- burnt the candle on both ends. I was kind of burnt out myself, um, working very long hours and et cetera. So I was like, okay, I think it's time to put this company in a different founder's hands or a different company's hands so they can run with it and take it from t- so zero to 100, from 100 to 1,000, they can do. Nice. I love it. And that makes a lot of sense. So how did you prepare for the acquisition? What did you do to make sure that, you know, you would actually get to a successful acquisition because a lot of founders try, but uh, is there any sort of preparation that you did um, prior to increase your chances of getting acquired? No, I think the whole development of the business um, kind of led to that direction. Like it was a super niche SaaS business in the pet industry. So there was a lot of things that make it super attractive for someone to want it, to acquire it. Uh, but that was all by accident. I didn't know anything about this up until this point. I kind of learned it uh, going through the process. Nice. One thing I will say, um, just for other people listening, point SaaS solutions like yours, like a SaaS solution, specifically, it could be like an invoice generator, CRMs, CRM specifically for a specific vertical, get a lot of attention. So now I'm interested in hearing, um, okay, so you go live on, acquire.com what was your first impression what did what did the first two weeks look like when you went live on the marketplace i was busy on acquire.com for sure uh a lot of interested parties for the business. It was like a full-time job, just fielding their requests and answering the questions. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously there's some buyers that aren't serious, some that are super serious. So you just kind of have to learn how to uh, ask the right questions and and vet who what, who's coming through, that sort of thing. Nice. How many um, NDAs did you end up receiving? Uh, if I could remember, upwards of 80, I think. So I'm just guessing though. Dang. How many buyer calls did you have? How many different buyers did you speak to? 30 to 40. I would say half of the people who signed the NDA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I had an inkling that the attention or the interest within your business was was going to be high. Um, so, so I guess um, now, how did you... So that's a lot of um, attention in terms of buyers reaching out, signing NDAs, calls on your end. How did you land on the final buyer? What made them stand out? What made you comfortable moving forward with them? Was there anything in particular that made you comfortable to sell the business to them? Yeah, because a lot of the offers were the exact same. Um, So I was really looking for a founder that would put as much passion into it as I had at the start. Also somebody who had, um, I guess, complementary skills or even better at me in some areas um, to really make Barclay HQ successful. Um, Going through this process, like I said, in the beginning, um, I was really close with all of my clients. Um, so I wanted to make sure that they were well taken care of. So I was really looking for someone who would put like uh, a big effort into uh, client services. I really wanted someone who is going to 
um, have funding for digital marketing, all the things that the business needed to go to. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Cause within acquisitions, there's always you, in my opinion, you need goodwill. Like you need to get along with the buyer. And if you have, I always tell this to um, other entrepreneurs that I work with, but if you have three identical offers, the one I recommend going with is the person that you feel the most comfortable with. Because my next question is, you know, around like due diligence and stuff like that. Like once you sign an LOI, that's kind of just the start of kind of the harder chapter of the acquisition process. Um, so I'd love to hear about um, how did due diligence go? How did you transfer the assets? Um, uh, did you use escrow? And then just how did it go? post um letter of intent signing yeah we used uh lawyers to help with this transition um we used escrow from the lawyer um going through due diligence you know as the founder it's super scary because you're like giving someone uh access to your entire financial and business life um so you want to be comfortable with the person who you're giving access to this to as well someone that you can trust um because there's a lot of sensitive information there uh i felt like our due diligence went pretty smoothly. Um, it's a pretty simple business. The expenses were low. Um, I used striped QuickBooks, everything to track everything like that. So they were able to go through due diligence, uh, very quickly. Nice. Any, any tips you would give founders that, you know, maybe looking to sell their business Just learnings that I assume this is your first, this was your first acquisition, Craig. That's correct. Yeah. So you came in this not knowing what to expect, or maybe you did. Um, but if you could go back and have someone tell you like three pieces of advice, what would that be? Actually, it's interesting. The last year of the business ended up being uh, performing so much better operationally. And I completely give credit to having a PL. So my advice for any founder, whether you want to sell your business or you just want to have a business and run a business, day one, you open up an Excel sheet and you start tracking with a PL. Because this is going to allow you to track your income, your expenses, where you're spending money, where you don't have to spend this money. And things drastically change when you can actually see it all across the, the Excel sheet or Google um, Sheets, whatever you're using. But having that P&L is, is a big thing for sure. And it makes it easier if you do want to get acquired because you already have all that work done. I would, I 100% agree. I would go as far as saying that having a P&L, if you're looking to sell a business for six or seven or definitely, you know, in the millions is required. 100% required. And I, for me, I love that advice because um, actually the, one of the first hires at um, was um, I hired back my old um, CFO because it's akin to like driving a car at night with your lights off. And it's really hard to predict out your growth, where you're spending. And just that one hire alone, I think people don't understand. It could be a part-time controller. It can be a fractional CFO. Um, but these hires are good investments in your business because you'll see a return. Mm -hmm. So whether it's when you're selling your business, you'll get goodwill from buyers because they can understand your business easier and then you can also manage your you know uh, the capital you have on hand to make sure you're growing at you know a sustainable rate and you're not spending three dollars to make one dollar if that makes sense that's right and actually it's funny that you brought up the hiring thing i would say that was probably the biggest learning curve for me with my businesses i think i hired too late um so my next business for sure i'm gonna hire a lot earlier rather than trying to do everything yourself bring some talent in get some new eyes and 
I think that investment will uh, pay for itself. Every entrepreneur has that mistake. So mm-hmm. a, a small story at uh, my, I had a previous company and um, we just had a controller. We closed the books and, you know, that would be that. And I would actually manage um, expenses using the mint.com mobile app. I would just see cash okay. coming in, cash coming out, super simplistic, no financial modeling in terms of, you know, we had a sales team at that point. It was just very, I was young too. So I didn't know, but a mentor just told me like, please hire a VP of finance. Like, and then once I started working with one, I was like, Oh, okay. Now I look at the business entirely different. Yeah. Let's not, let's not invest in this area. Um, cause it's not, profitable let's move the like it just it allows you to see the business in such a different angle than if you're looking to scale the business um it just helps so much so i love that feedback um so congrats on on that position david you did it you got acquired um you know super happy for you and uh, but entrepreneurs never really stop so my my next question is um what are you up to now yes i'm actually working at another uh startup company i just probably started about two months ago uh called ab smartly and i'm their head of marketing there um and what they have is a platform that allows uh, companies to set up ab tests and track and analyze all those metrics uh so that's currently what i'm doing i'm the head of marketing there nice so i guess from here um any other plans to start another company? Or are you going to kind of wait a little bit until you get another good idea? Uh, actually, I kind of want to go the other way this time. I think I want to acquire a smaller business, maybe something pre-revenue, and then see if I can apply my my skills to it to build it and then sell it again. Uh, but coming up with the idea is the hard part. So that's kind of why I want to find something that someone's already developed, maybe has a little bit of customers or pre-revenue and take it over from there. I know a really good website you should check out if you're looking for businesses to buy. It's, Which it's, one's called, this? it's called acquire.com. You should check uh, it out. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I, I'm part of it. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Well, David, it's been, it's been a pleasure hearing your story and congrats on all the success. I love the business, love the story. Um, if you want to, um, learn more about you or reach out to you online, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, on LinkedIn, it's just uh, David Sabara and you'll find me. On Twitter, it's David M. Sabara is my handle. Awesome. We'll put that yeah. um, in the show notes. David, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and uh, congrats again on the acquisition. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, cheers. Bye now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Startup Acquisition Stories podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. If you know a friend or colleague that's thinking about selling their startup and don't know where to start, please share it with them. For more information on acquire.com and how we can help you start conversations with serious buyers with acquisition targets ranging from 50,000 up to 50 million or more, check us out at acquire.com. We'll see you next time.